Welcome to the Property Renovation Podcast with your host, James Woodham, giving you the best tips on achieving the perfect renovation whilst making it as fun, safe, and as cost-effective as possible by hearing from experts in the industry and people that have been through the experience themselves. Let me introduce your host, three times award winner of leading renovation website, House, and over 15 years in the industry, renovating just over 200 properties, James Woodham. Hey guys, welcome to this week's podcast on the Property Renovation Podcast. I had the joy of interviewing Sebastian, who owns a kitchen company based in East London. The kitchen company is called the London Kitchen Company. And it was a very good interview. He spoke about why it's so important to have a kitchen installer installing your kitchen rather than just a building company or a general builder. And he spoke about all sorts of topics and what to look out for when you're checking for the quality of work, etc. But I won't spoil it. You can go and listen to that in a moment. I just wanted to quickly say that uh, we are celebrating that we've just gone over 2000 downloads uh, which is fantastic really happy about that so i hope we're doing a good job and if you haven't reviewed the podcast at the moment please do so the more reviews we get the more recognized we get and the more homeowners we can help and if you're not in the facebook group then uh, you should come in there and have a look we do uh, exclusive videos and we release exclusive uh, helpful tips and tricks that might not reach the podcast so to get in there, if you go to facebook.com forward slash groups forward slash the property renovation podcast, add yourself and then one of us will accept your invitation and then uh, you can see what goes on in there as well. So without further ado, I will put you through to Sebastian. Sebastian, hi, welcome to the podcast. Hello. Um, I thought it would be a really good idea to get uh, someone that's um, had the background of kitchen fitting and furniture making and everything else. Um, and uh, I'm sure there's plenty of people that would like to listen to it. Um, maybe they're purchasing a kitchen or thinking about purchasing one. Mm -hmm. So we'll just start with the questions. Um, okay. For the benefit of the listeners, could you give some background about yourself and how you started? Yeah, this was an interesting question. Um, so I started thinking, when did I start? And I went right back and thought about my parents, my grandparents, my family, and I realized there were engineers, musicians, uh, furniture makers. My grandfather had a furniture shop in South Africa. Wow. Long time ago. Um, but I didn't start off straight away doing furniture. I did all sorts of other things, and then one day realized, I got to about 30 and thought, no, I know what I need to do. When I was a child, I always used to take everything to bits. <laughs> when I was younger, I used to make my own furniture out of... Uh, pallets and all of that sort of thing, like everyone's doing now. Yeah. And um, so I went to college, studied cabinet making, the London College of Furniture, and um, just started making furniture for people and um, gradually specialising towards kitchens. So. And did you go to, like, did you study anything for it or was just, you, you just felt that you were good at your hands? Like, Well, I studied uh, cabinet making. Right, okay. Um, so it was a two-year course, cabinet making and wood machining. Okay. It was a fantastic course. They've mostly got rid of them now, the practical courses, because mm -hmm. they cost too much. Mm -hmm. So I was lucky. This is 15 years ago or something, wow. and you could still do it. Um, for, um, and you had fantastic teachers. They had the most incredible machine room with every machine you could ever want. 
Crazy. Um, it's all gone. They've got rid of it. It's they very don't, sad. They don't. They don't. Um, do, I mean, do 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 you see people using the same old machinery today? In in in, in, in workshops. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. The old yeah. machines are best. Right. But absolutely the best because yeah. they're solid. I've been to your uh, workshop actually. It's not too far from here. Is yeah. It? Yeah. And um, there's a lot going on there. So. Yes. Well, you use all sorts of machines, um, and these days you can get away with um, different kind of tools and you can use a lot of almost portable tools mm. because they're so good right but the big machinery the old stuff is the best yeah mostly yeah cool um and how long have you been making kitchens for so well i've been making furniture about furniture 10 15 is, years about yeah. 15 years and the kitchens i've been specializing in over the past seven or eight years okay. more and more because partly because that's where people put their budget and that's so that's where you get the best opportunities okay. to do the nicest work and the most interesting work. Would you say that that's um, that your, your main business then, your main core business? Is kitchens, yeah. yes. But I do do a lot of furniture as well. Uh -huh. Wardrobes, shelving, offices. Okay. But um, yeah, kitchens is the main thing. And um, if anyone is thinking about buying a kitchen, um, what would be the top things that they would need to consider? in purchasing a kitchen? Yeah, that's a good question. Um, so the first thing is, where is it coming from? Right. Um, as in, literally, where in the world? If it's coming from halfway across the world, um, you might get a fantastic kitchen for a great price or uh -huh. whatever, but what happens if there's a piece missing or there's a piece damaged, and there always will be? Okay. And what happens if, during installation, someone drills a hole in the wrong place? Or okay. something drops, or, or, or all sorts of questions, and and that's so important because it depends what gets. If a door gets damaged, you can order another one. You can live without a door, but if it's something that's integral to the installation, you can really hold things up. Hmm. So that's really important. Um, if you want to order extra parts, and maybe for a good design, sometimes it helps to leave a bit until you see how the kitchen's fitting into the space you've got. Perhaps if you're having an extension built or something like that. Sometimes yeah. you don't know the exact sizes. Sometimes you might want to get a made-to-measure part added on to okay. the order later on. If that's going to take two months to get to you or something, that's not going to work. Mm. So, yeah, that's important. Um, you can kind of take it a, an approach during the, the design and the installation to kind of wait and see what we want. Okay. If you've got a during the quick live lead times. Yeah. Okay. If you've got a quick lead times on stuff. Uh -huh. And that can help. So if someone was purchasing a kitchen and um they've got like the 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 kitchen fitters on site and you, I guess you would need to speak to them and say, you know, that uh let's have midway through a chat about how it's looking. Yeah, this would be something you'd work out during the design right. and you might leave. Mm. I've done this. You might leave one cabinet to be produced later on. Okay. And um, it's when you know the exact size. Mm. And that way you can... It, it just depends. It just depends what you've got. I mean, um, it may not be necessary at all, but it can help. Okay. That's one thing to consider, that's all. So the next thing I thought is um, who is selling it to you? Mm -hmm. So the person who's, the actual person you're speaking to, who's selling the kitchen to you, do they actually know their subject? Right. Or are, and are they interested in their subject? Or are they just a salesperson? 
And there's the, who's, so, who's, so there's a big difference between the salesperson. Can you just elaborate a little yeah. bit more? So you may come, well, you may go to a big company that has salespeople who are very enthusiastic and know exactly how to sell, but may not really know all that much about kitchens or care all that much. Okay. Um, they're not, also, they're not going to be involved in the process beyond the sale. Right. Okay. So to me, that, that's almost even more important. Uh-huh. You kind of want to be talking to the same people right the way through. Yeah, you would think that the person that's selling you the kitchen um, is always in contact with you until the kitchen's finished. No, that's very often not the case. <laughs> that's very the bigger, bigger sort of high-pressure sales companies. Uh. Um, you'll get a fantastic showroom. You'll get great sales um, pitch. Right. Everything will look wonderful until you've given them the money, <laughs> and then it all goes wrong. <laughs> have you known stories like that? Have yeah, got... many. Right. Very, very many. Okay. Almost, it's just almost certain, in fact. So how many people would you expect to be involved um, in your whole process of the kitchen from, from a big supplier? Oh, um, I mean, it's not even people, really, is it? It's just a big machine. Yeah. So it's a very different business. I wouldn't go to a big supplier. Okay. I wouldn't go to one of the high-pressure sales type. Mm-hmm. Um, you're just asking for trouble. So I would go to a smaller a kitchen showroom yeah. um, where people should be. I mean, you, you still have salespeople, but you've got a much smaller team and you'll hopefully, you know, you'll be able to judge. Uh-huh. Um, you know, you just, you just need to make a judgment on that. But you want to be peop- speaking to people who actually know about their subject and are interested Right. Well, that's a big interested. important part, I guess. is It's about it's about being interested in how it's going to look in some. I think if the, if the person selling it to you is interested themselves, if you can tell they really are interested, yeah, then that will hopefully follow through because yeah. they'll care about what happens. Yeah, okay. that's that's the way I look at it. Um, and then the next thing is follows on from that is is the person listening to you, right? When you tell them what you want, mm-hmm. this is kind of the most important. I think this is one of the most important things in general. Um, are they selling you what you want or what they want to sell you? Ah. Um, it's obviously important to listen to them, mm. to listen to their advice. They know what they're talking about. Um, but you got your cat. My cat's come to say hello. <laughs> She's come to join in. <laughs> um, where were we? Yeah, if, uh, that's really important if they're listening to you and if they're willing to do whatever they can yeah. to, to provide you with what you want. Mm-hmm. Or if they're going to fob you off, if they're going to uh, just... You can also tell when, during that process how, how much flexibility they've got in what they're providing you. So if I was... Um talking to someone about my kitchen and I was saying to them, you know, this is what I want to have and this is how I want it to look. Mm. Can, they should be listening to you and, and understanding why you want that, I guess. And then I think you should, you should listen to their answers carefully yeah. and see if their answers are actually responding to what you've asked. Right. Or they? if they are... They could be doing two things. They could be trying to work out how to give you what you want mm-hmm. or they could be trying to work out how to give you... Um, the closest thing, which may not be very close at all right. to what you want. Okay. Um, and, they, and there should be some honesty in that. Yeah. You know? Because yeah. obviously they can't necessarily give you whatever you want, mm-hmm. but you should understand why you can't have it, why they're going to give you what they're going to give you, okay. and how it relates to what you've asked for. And you'll often find, you know, a lot of companies will just have their products and they just want to 
push certain products. Push it out, yeah. Um, and good salespeople will sell you something you didn't even want. <laughs> so, you know. <laughs> That's a very good salesman. Yeah, if they but people can do it. Something that and you, you, and, and you, you can think you want it, but mm. you know, you've got to be careful, I think. Yeah. That's important. So, what else? Um, then, more technically, when you're looking at the kitchen itself, so the hardware is really important in kitchens. Okay. So the drawer runners, the hinges, and then all the wire work, all the pull-out uh, larders, and all of this kind of stuff. Right. And you want to make sure that stuff's top quality. Uh-huh. And there's no reason to compromise on it, really. So, um, and when you're talking about the wire work, this is the... So, I mean, the pull-out larders. Okay, so all uh, the, the magic corners, part, parts units. So. Okay. Um, all the storage, all the sort of, if you're getting that kind of stuff. Yep. Um, you know, you want to get good quality that lasts. What's a magic corner? If, if so a magic can... corner is for when you've got a corner unit. Um, <laughs> it's probably hungry. <laughs> when you've got a corner unit and you can't access it. Yeah. In the old days, you just had to crawl on the floor and kind of bury your head inside the corner unit. Right, okay. And now you get, there's two, there's two different types. There's a magic corner and there's a, what's called the Le Mans unit. Okay. Um, as in the, the Le Mans racing track, because it's kind of shaped like a racing mm-hmm, track. Mm-hmm. And they're, they're just mechanical um, ways of... So when you open the door, yeah. um, with a magic corner, you get the baskets slide along inside, and one set of baskets comes out, and the other okay. slide along inside. All right. And the Le Mans units are two trays that slide out of the cupboard uh, manually. Brilliant. And okay. they're, no, they're fantastic. Both of them are fantastic. There's not... A, there's not a one better than the other, it's uh-huh. just a preference. But if you're going to get all this stuff, you want good quality. Yeah. And for example, with the hinges and the drawers, I use Blum. Okay. Um, B-L-U-M. B-L-U-M. Okay. They have a lifetime guarantee. Okay. Well, they're guaranteed for the lifetime of the furniture. Right. Which is the same. Yeah. Really. Yeah. They can't guarantee your furniture, of course. Yeah. Um, is that the most common um, used hardware that's around? It's... The biggest brand name. Okay. There are others as well. It's uh-huh. the biggest brand name, and it's the top, top one really. Okay. Um, for the hinges, for the drawers, the Blum Legra box is what we use. Okay. And they're really the top at the moment. They're quite recent, and they're they're really fantastic. They work so well. How would someone know if they're buying a kitchen whether it's going to become whether it comes with the Blum components? Just ask. You just ask. Who makes that. your hinges? Who makes your drawer boxes? Okay. Okay. Um, doesn't have to be Blum, but, but find out. I've actually looked forward of a, a very good question to ask you whilst we're live, actually. Yeah. Which is, uh, you know, what are the most important questions you should ask? Yes. Um, well, that, there's one. When you're yes. purchasing, purchasing a kitchen. What is the hardware? Who's making Yes. Don't just buy, don't just say soft closed drawers. Because mm-hmm. there's thousands of companies making cheap versions of these things. Okay. Which may well work quite well, but may not last. Mm. Um, and I've seen it where, you know, they're quite flimsy, really. And the metal, little metal catches might break and this sort of thing. So how, um, if someone's going, if someone is on, um, if someone is purchasing non-Blum components, maybe, or something mm-hmm. like this, how would they, how, how, from your experience, how long do they last? Like, is, have you known them to go wrong quite I've, um, I've installed kitchens with cheap stuff and it can break during installation. Right. So beyond that, I don't know because I don't use them. Okay. So, okay. Um, and I'm because I'm supplying the, the stuff. I never. I've no one's ever called me and okay. said our hinges failed. Or, you know, 
but then I'm supplying the best stuff. So I don't know what would happen with the cheaper stuff. I have installed things yeah. um, way back, but um, I don't know. Okay. But yeah, right. certainly things have broken during installation. Mm -hmm. And you can see that that could happen. So uh, during installation is when it's most likely to break, mm -hmm. but still. Okay. Do you have any more top 10 top yeah, things? Yeah, so then the next thing I would think about. Um, I suppose another thing is, do your sink cabinets have liners at the bottom? That's quite important. Sink cabinet. So in the sink cabinets, yep. if you have an, like, an aluminium liner at the bottom, if they right. provide that, that's a really good thing. Okay. If they provide some sort of extra waterproofing for sink cabinets. Right, okay. Because most kitchens are made of chipboard, yep. which is fine. It's melamine-faced, which is the best surface. Yeah. But if water gets in, it, that's the biggest problem with it. Yeah. So that's something to think about. Um, another thing is how much flexibility your supplier has in okay. terms of, do they do made-to-measure stuff? Okay. If your Bes kitchen's bespoke, a bespoke stuff, you mean? Not necessarily bespoke. When I bespoke would be the entire thing is completely to your okay. specifications. Made-to-measure might be a standard range, but different sizes. Right. So, okay. for example, you might have a funny-shaped kitchen. You might have um, some, some bits jutting out. You might have a, a shallow cabinet where you want some drawers in it. Mm -hmm. Can they do shallow drawers? Mm -hmm. Can they do deeper drawers? Right. We're starting to do 500 mil deep drawers instead of 450, which is the standard. Yeah. But actually, there's no reason not to. I realized that um, if you push the back of the cabinet back three millimeters, you can put a 500 millimeter drawer in instead of a 450 one. Okay, that's interesting. So I thought, why not? And so things like that. And um, can they do the colours you want? Can they do can they do what you want? Because there's no reason to accept anything else these days. Because there's so much available. There's so much available. Modern technology, computer-aided um, machinery, mm -hmm. all of this stuff. Um, depending on what how you know what your kitchen's made of, yep. there's a massive choice available. There's no reason to be restricted. So if your supplier's not doing what you want, mm. you should be able to find it elsewhere. Okay. Um, and I mean, from a design point of view, if you're designing a kitchen and you're limited to the old standard sizes of yeah. 300, 400, 500 millimeter cabinets, yeah. um, you're going to have to compromise on the design in ways that you wouldn't have to if you've got more flexibility. So that's important. Mm. Okay. Look at the carcasses themselves, the actual cabinets. Yeah. And why would you do that? Um, one thing, while, for example, the German kitchens, which are really popular at the moment, um, and they're fantastically made, mm. beautifully made, some of them, like hacker kitchens and so on. Yeah, okay. But what, one thing that really winds me up about them is they, <laughs> they have these, little, these three millimeter backs in them, like old hardboard backs, like we used to here many years ago. The, okay, so the, you're looking at the back of the cupboard. The back of the cupboard is just a flimsy, little more than cardboard. Okay. Right. So that means you stuff your cabinet with too many plates and the back's going to pop out of its groove. Okay. And you're not going to be able to get it back in again. Uh-huh. It means if you've got any, if you want to put any plug sockets or if you want to put any kind of electrics on the back walls of your cabinets, which often is a good place to put. Yeah. Switches and things in kitchens where you can't on these unless you reinforce them. Because, it, because you've got nothing to fix it on. Yeah. Okay. So all you can do is cut a great big hole out of it. Uh-huh. Same with sink cabinet. You can't 
you can't install them. So obviously it depends who's installing, if they're going to do a really neat job or not. But mm. if they're capable of doing that, which hopefully they are, yeah. um, then you can't, you know, well, they can, you can reinforce the backs, I suppose. Right. But you, you, it just means you have to cut great big holes out the back mm -hmm. and have the stuff on the wall if you don't. Okay. So that's another thing to think about. Um, also, a, a hard, solid back, one that's fixed rather than in a groove, mm -hmm. and the thicker backs are fixed, keeps the whole cabinet square and absolutely rigid. Right. Um, and that's a big advantage, although obviously once the kitchen's installed, it should be installed well. If cabinets are next to each other, they're fixed to the wall, that makes them square, but this really helps. It's so if someone was going to a showroom, mm. um, then you would advise them to have a look in the cupboards. Have a look in the cupboards, yeah. Tap the back. Tap the back. See in. if it's solid or not. Okay. It's not essential. I guess if you push the back a little bit. Yeah, you can tell. You can see if it's is, flimsy is it flexing? or not. Yeah, okay. absolutely. Uh -huh. It should be absolutely rock solid. Um, it's not essential, but it's a good thing. Okay. Definitely a good thing. Do you, do you think it also makes the installation easier? Because you've not had to... It makes the installation, for me, it depends how the installer does it, but for me it makes it much easier. Right. Because it's not moving. It's, it's, it's not moving, it's square. You can, uh, I mean, the tall cabinets are always going to move a little and flex mm -hmm. a little, but um, yeah, it helps with that. But it also really helps with sink cabinets and with any electrics on the back, like mm -hmm. I said. You can do a nice, neat job okay. without any extra hassle. Um, and the front edges of the cabinets, look at them as well. If they've got two millimeter rounded edging on it, you've got a really nice, um, safe, um, well-protected cabinet. All right, okay. Because um, the thinner edging, if you knock the front of the cabinet, imagine you take a knife and attack the front of your cabinet. Yeah. Maybe a knife's going a bit far, but well, if you've got <laughs> hit it hard with yeah, something, I was gonna which is quite you, possible. Would if happen. you've got kids that yeah, or you drop a to, pan on it, yeah, a big cast iron pan or something. Yeah, if it's got that edging on it, it's going to it's not going to damage it. It's it's really super strong. Okay. If it hasn't, it's going to dent it. Mm -hmm. And then you've got exposed chipboard, and then the water can get in, and so on and so on. But I guess you would actually have to ask the supplier about what the thickness is of, of those. Is you can ask something... them what's the edging, yeah. How, how, what's the front edging on the cabinets and shelves? Mm -hmm. And if they say it's two millimeter uh, ABS or PVC edging, those okay. are the, then you've got a good. That, that's something to look out for. Okay. Um, and then the next, and probably the most important thing, really, is who is installing the kitchen. Okay. And um, actually, this is really the most important because you can take a really cheap kitchen and install it well, mm -hmm. and you can, and it'll be good. It'll right. be a cheap kitchen, but it'll work. It'll do its job. It'll yeah. look good. You can take a high-end kitchen and install it badly, and you may as well have just thrown your money away. <laughs> There's no point. <laughs> and it will fall apart. And if it's installed badly, if it's not square, if it's not level, you know, it's just not going to last. What's the and it'll look awful. What's the common, um, what's the common tradesman, would, would you say, usually installs a kitchen? I mean, the preferred yeah. is a well, kitchen this, fitter. Exactly. Right? You want a specialist. Well, this applies to everything, really. You want the specialist doing it. Okay. You want somebody who just installs kitchens and knows everything about them uh -huh. and knows... Well, preferably, if you've gone to a supplier and they have their own installers who install their kitchens, they're going to know those kitchens really well and know exactly how to go about installing them. Because every kitchen manufacturer does it differently, little things differently. So if you've got a general handyman 
or even a very skilled carpenter who just doesn't do kitchens, mm. they're just not going to have the experience. Right. They might be fantastic workmen, and they might they may be able to work it out. It'll take them longer, but um, they're not going to know. And a lot of the problems you can come up against are simply because you've done it before. You're not going to do the same thing again. Mm -hmm. You can be as good as you want, but if you're just not aware of something, you might make that mistake. So um, a carpenter, a general carpenter, someone that would be like fitting floors um, or making... Yeah, I think it's important to understand that, that a carpenter is a very general word. Right. Because there's carpent, you know, carpentry in the house, roofing and this sort of thing. Mm. Structural carpentry, isn't it? And there's kind of joinery in windows, doors and so on. Yeah. Staircases. And then there's furniture, uh, which is cabinet making, which is what I do. Yeah. And then kitchens That's are particularly... That is furniture, isn't it? Kitchen. It is furniture. Yeah. But it's all... Yeah, it, it's a particular type of furniture. It, it's, it's a specialist thing in itself. You can get mm. people who just install kitchens. But certainly out of the... Yeah, cabinet making is obviously the closest to it. Mm -hmm. Okay. Okay. So um, if you... I remember when um, my mum had a kitchen like 10 years ago mm. and she had one installed um, and it was from a big supplier. And I do remember, it, it was over, it ended up lasting about three or four weeks, I think, oh, really? in the end. Oh, and um, they had not just one kitchen fitter. Mm. So there would be the first one that does a little bit of the work and then a couple of days later, there'd be someone completely different. Right. And they they didn't pass over the the, the, the well, They were doing different work or just simply I think, two days with this person and two days with this person? Yeah, I think with, the, like, the way that um, the bigger suppliers work, from, from my knowledge, is that they don't just supply one kitchen fitted to that, to mm. fit the entire kitchen. Mm. It's just about keeping that process moving because they'll probably have about six kitchens in the area to fit. Yeah. So not necessarily would you so always have the, the same fitting. Around. Yeah. Right. Do you that? know any, have you heard anything about? That? No, I oh, right. okay. but I don't have a lot of involvement with, with, with that end of the market. Supplies. Okay. Um, all I ever hear, I hear the stories from customers. That's okay. where I know most of what I know about that kind of thing. I think that's one of my last questions is what, what are the stories that you heard about kitchen? Terrible. <laughs> Terrible. We'll get to that. <laughs> um, so, sorry, is there any more top things that you, you want to discuss? Um... Yes, we did have a few more. Um, well, you've got to consider, yes, in terms of the other things, it's a budget, the style you want, okay, and so on. So your budget's really important, um, obviously. Yeah. It's essential. There's no reason to think, because you've got a low budget, you can't have a nice kitchen. Mm. Um, and it's actually a very important thing to think about. And to talk with, if hopefully you can get a good relationship with whoever's supplying you the kitchen. You can you can talk honestly with them, and you can trust them, mm. because one of the things that pushes the budget up is not quality necessarily, but it's your specifications. So, if you're very specific about what you want, and you just tell them this is what I want, mm. and you don't talk about budget, you might find it costs a fortune, because you've asked for something very expensive, without right. even realizing. And they may well just think you know what you want and supply it to you. <laughs> <laughs> so do your research. So do in, your in, research. In terms of the cost. It's I mean. difficult to do yeah. the research, I think. It's very hard. Okay. 
So I think what you need to do is find someone who knows what they're talking about, who you trust, mm. and they will be able to help you. Okay. It's very hard, I think, because I do have customers who go online and do research and they come up with, it's not that it's not true what they find, it's just very hard for them to make sense of it. Right. So they'll think, I had a customer recently talking to me, he researched in depth cabinet um, materials. Okay. Birch ply, uh, painted cabinets, mm. melamine face chipboard, and he came up with things in an order of quality. Right. Which made a lot of sense. So he's got birch ply at the top, I think mm. he's got painted MDF in the middle, and then melamine face chipboard at the bottom. And he just said, this is what I've, I've learned. Right. And my response was, well, it really depends. When you talk about what's best, is best for what? Because right. you can't just say it's best because it depends what you what qualities you want. So, um, so it, and you can't. That's really hard to find all that out online. You need to talk to somebody who knows knows their materials really well. Are you um, going back to budget? Mm. Yes. From a, a big supplier to um, a small kitchen supplier like yourselves, for instance, would yeah. you say that someone could get more out of their budget going with someone smaller than a bigger company? Definitely. Absolutely. No question at all. Okay. I mean, I, I don't have the overhead. The big companies, if you're paying a lot of money to them, you're mm -hmm. paying for all their infrastructure, all their showrooms, all everything. Yeah. And the markup, I guess, on the on the... On the kitchens and the markup on everything, um, yeah. I mean, they've got enormous budgets to maintain, yeah. haven't they? Yeah. So, um, and they're going to shave. Another interesting point, actually, is um, if you look at the really big companies, they can look at something. Um, they can save, you know, one pence a cabinet by by reducing the I don't know the quality of the edging or or, okay. or, or maybe using cheaper hinges, something like this. You see. Right. For me, I don't see the point in using cheaper hinges. I might save a bit. Mm -hmm. But in my overall yearly accounts, it's not going to make that much difference. It's just not worth it. I just don't see any point. Just provide the best, and that's that. If you're a massive company and you look at the cost saving across all of your sales, it's huge. The smallest little saving. And so they're more likely to make it, I would think. And they would probably make the savings in areas where a customer might not recognize, you mean? Yes, absolutely, quite. Obviously, they're not going to make the same. Yes. Yeah. The customer's not going to be aware of those things. Okay. And okay. Um, it just makes sense that they're going to look at it and um, cut, because it's very hard to cut costs. Mm -hmm. um, you have to reduce everything a little bit. Right. Um, and so, yeah, it would just be logical sense to me that a big company is more likely to do that. Mm -hmm. Okay. Um, and, I mean, I think, uh, I think some companies will, you, will get... Go to Blum. Some mm -hmm. of the biggest companies will go to a company like Blum and they'll get them to make the stuff for them at a slightly lower spec. Right. So, yeah, that's, <laughs> that's, that's uh, tricky. Okay. <laughs> that's really tricky. What are you going to do about that? You can't know. You know it's Blum, so you think it's great. But yeah. It's actually being made specially for them because yeah. they're so big, they can do that. Do you think um, the bigger companies are having an impact on smaller companies in terms of survival and um you know it, yeah guess... i'm i'm not sure um i think it's going both ways right because in many ways it's easier to be a smaller company now because of because of computer machinery and so on um cnc and all of this i think it's easier in some ways to be much more flexible mm -hmm. 
um, and competitive. And in some ways, the biggest, bigger companies maybe are finding it harder. Right. But obviously, their marketing budgets, that's the real thing where they win. Yeah. So they yeah. can persuade you that they are the best. People have faith in them because they're a household name. Right. People feel they're well-established and they're, um, they're not going to mess them about. People think they go to one of these big companies and they're going to treat them well and they're gonna, they can trust them. Unfortunately, it's often not the case. But I guess they also have um, good, good uh, reviews as well as bad reviews. And with a bigger company, they're more exposed to that. Like you can, you can go online to one of the bigger companies and do your own research. And, yeah, you can, and, and and you'll often actually, if you do that, you'll see. I mean, that's the that's a very good idea. Yeah, if you do that, you'll see. Mm -hmm. I think a lot of people just don't do that. They don't look into it. They don't look into it really, because if you if you go online and look at the big companies' reviews, you'll see thousands of bad reviews. Yeah, people absolutely going crazy. Mm -hmm. So. I think a lot of people just don't. <laughs> I don't know. Well, it's hard. It's very it's, hard. I do feel for the the householder looking for a kitchen. Yeah. Going out there. I mean, I say go find a local kitchen showroom. Go find a local person. Uh, you know, a local cabinet maker. But how are they going to judge if that person's any good or not? I can see it's very difficult. Yeah. And you go to a big company and you feel there's a big brand name and you think it's going to be well-established and you think that they're going to have a kind of policy that's going to keep you. I think people are most concerned about like the warranties and the guarantees that they can yeah. offer as big companies. But I mean... <laughs> it's really what it, how it's... I don't know. Out. Look at warranties. I don't know how much faith I would put in them, really. Okay. They've got so many get-outs. Uh, effectively, we'll guarantee this thing as long as you don't do anything to damage it. Right. Um, I don't know. I'm okay. not sure, really, how much faith I would put in that. I would put much more faith in trusting somebody mm. so I don't necessarily offer warranties and things I just personally guarantee stuff and if okay. my customer phones me up and says there's a problem I'll go and fix it okay uh, and that's my guarantee I don't have a list of things I'll guarantee and things <laughs> I won't <laughs> I suppose if um if a customer's on a strict budget what are the areas um of their kitchen should they not really sacrifice on? Like what, what yeah. shouldn't they cut back on? Yeah, so this was, you shouldn't really, you should cut back on, um, first of all, your first choice, I suppose. Like I said before, it's more about finding something that approximates to what you want rather than finding exactly what you want. Okay. So you don't need to really cut back on quality all that much. So we can continue anyway. Um, we were Should just we talking start about... Back? Yeah. yeah, so um, if someone's on a strict budget, um, what are the areas of their kitchen? Should they not be cutting back on? Yeah, so yes, it's, as we were saying before, um, I don't think you need to cut back on quality. Okay. There's not really any reason for that. You can get good quality kitchens for a very low price. Mm -hmm. If you go to somebody you can trust and you say, I'm, I've got a very low budget, I want a good quality kitchen, they should be able to do it for you. All right. They'll tell you what kind of kitchen you can have. You can't go along and say, I want what I want for this price. Okay, so But you can go along and say, I want, a, I want something good quality, I want something along these lines, what can you do? Mm -hmm. And I've done that before. 
I did a stainless, someone really wanted a stainless steel kitchen. They couldn't have, stainless steel and oak. Wow. Oak shaker doors, stainless steel doors. They wanted to combine them. Mm. And, um, and I can't remember what they wanted for the worktops. They wanted a really expensive kitchen, a sort of 30,000 pound kitchen or something. Okay. But they didn't have a budget of more than 10,000. I can't remember what it was, something right. like that. And so we didn't do stainless steel doors because they cost a fortune. But we found a melamine board that looks like stainless steel. Interesting. And I said, it's not the same thing, but this is along the general lines of, of the kind of look you want. Mm. And we managed to get some oak shaker doors for a very good price and stick them on the cabinets. Okay. And okay, so the cabinets had to be plain white cabinets rather than colour matched. Yeah. Um, but the quality wasn't any worse. You can look at high-end kitchens, have the same basic cabinet makeup mm. as cheap kitchens. It's not necessarily a huge difference. So they had a £30,000 budget. Um, sorry, they had a £10,000 budget, wanted a £30,000 kitchen. What did yeah. it end up coming in at? No, I, I can't remember the specifics. Okay. But it came in on budget. It came in on I budget. I did it on budget, absolutely. Mm -hmm. It was through a designer, through a kitchen designer, actually. Okay. And she came to me saying, you know, this is what my customer wants, but they only have this budget. Right. And then I came up with a solution. I'm like, I mean, you can. Yeah. Um, but if somebody, a lot of customers are very reluctant to tell me their budget, which I completely understand. Do you think that's a big problem? In... Yes, it's a huge problem for me. What what problems occur if they it's don't? It's a problem for them as okay. well. It's a huge problem because I can't, all I can do then, and, and what happens is a customer will go out and get three quotes, four quotes, five, which is a good idea. Mm. But those quotes will, first of all, probably all be for completely different kitchens. Yeah. And um, secondly, they may have come to somebody who's really good, who may have quoted them very high based on what the customers told them, yeah. but they haven't told them their budget. So that person's instantly discounted because the price is too high. It doesn't mean they couldn't have got a really good kitchen off that person. Mm. So it's important to check your quotes are for the same thing. So I'd say if you've, if you've got three quotes yeah. and one of the companies you really like and they're too expensive, and the other company you think are dodgy, but they've given you the right budget. Yeah. Go back to the expensive company and tell them you want them to quote for exactly the same thing, the specifications exactly the same uh -huh. um, as the other one and see what they come in at then. So if someone doesn't tell you their budget, I guess you've got not much to work with. No, you have to basically guess. You, <laughs> have, to, you have to make a, a, an estimate about what it looks like they want to spend compared with what they're asking you for and just make a judgment and, and, and so, provide something that looks roughly along those lines. If someone tells you their budget, do you find that you work better in terms of doing some really good research and finding out what yeah, kind exactly. of... Yeah, exactly. So I've just yesterday I went to see a customer mm -hmm. and they were telling me everything they wanted. They showed me all the stuff they've collected on Pinterest, on house and so on. Um, and we talked all about it. And then they told me their budget. And now I've got a really clear, I know exactly what to do now. Okay. So I know exactly what they can and can't afford within, they want to work to that budget. I can also go back to them and say, this is what you can have for this. If you want to spend more, we can do this. But this is, this is within your budget. Yeah. I can provide you everything you want. Um, and it's down to the way. choice of the materials, really. 
it's it's the choice of materials in two senses: what the cost of the materials, but also the cost of processing the materials. Right. So um, it may rule out bespoke um, additionals, for example. Mm-hmm. So we may have to design a kitchen that's all um, with off-the-shelf products, okay. rather than uh, making bespoke stuff or, mm-hmm. or something like that. Right. Or it could be, a, or it could be a question of, like, for example, the stainless that stainless steel doors and using melamine doors is quite an extreme example. Mm-hmm. Okay. But um, it's often as much about the processing as it is about the actual cost of materials. Is there anything else that people shouldn't cut back on? Um, Installation. Installation. It actually does the most important, yeah. Okay. Yes. Could you elaborate a little bit? So, pay for good installation. (laughs) (laughs) It's what I said before, you want a kitchen installer. Okay. And if they cost more, then pay for it. If, um, how would you know, um, how should someone charge you for the installation of a kitchen. So um, I guess you've got options of working by the day and like no, a day No, absolutely rate. no way. Don't work by the day. Okay. So just a fixed cost. Just a fixed cost. They okay. should just give you a fixed cost. Okay. And unless something happens that's completely outside of their control, mm. that's to do with your, your house and there's a big problem of some sort, it shouldn't vary from that cost. Right. Okay. And... Um, yeah, I mean, hopefully you've got somebody you can trust who's decent and they'll do yeah. a good job for the cost they've said. But um, no, you don't want to be paying someone by the day because I just think if you're paying someone by the day, that means, I don't know, it doesn't seem very professional to me. Then maybe maybe it, like, they, a, they can take their own time kind of thing. Well, firstly, yes, that's true. You're obviously. not in control, I guess. They're not yeah. going to be pushed for time, <clears throat> are they? They're going no. to be quite happy because every day they're earning their money. Yeah. Um, it just isn't the prefer. I mean, anyone... I don't think professionals do charge by the day. Okay. Really. Okay. Um, what's the current trends of kitchens at the moment? What, what's the, the most popular trends that people choose to go with? The trends, certainly for me, it's all handleless, all handleless at the moment. Okay. Has been for quite a long, long time. Moving towards the German style handleless, which uh-huh. is with the, because uh, the j doors. What's the, J, what's the J? So the J pull is when it's it's not really handleless because there's a groove cut into the door, okay, like a painted door or something like that with a groove cut in the top. Okay, so it's not really handleless because there's a handle in the door, mm. but it hasn't got an additional handle. Okay. Whereas the German style um, handleless rail kitchens are where there is no handle at all. There's a gap above the door with a rail behind to okay. disguise the gap, and then you just pull the door from behind yeah yeah and those are very popular at the moment everyone's asking for those um and just very simple so it's still sort of very minimalist which it has been for quite a long time i suppose yeah i've noticed that myself yeah but more and more um the colors are very i've gone from gloss white everywhere to kind of (laughs) muted colors more matte less gloss yeah although high gloss is always popular as well so they're more kind of earthy colours as well now. It's kind of greys and beiges and this sort of thing. Mm. Um, with with like gloss versus matte, um, is it easier to maintain a gloss kitchen? Like, no, no. People think it that it's easier to clean. I don't think so. I think um, if anything, gloss is worse because it shows up fingerprints and so on mm-hmm. more. Okay, and. Eventually, over time, gloss is more likely to wear, I think. 
right. Although it depends what it's made of. It does depend what it's made of. The scratches show up more on a cross. Scratches are going to show up more. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. And a dead flat, smooth surface is going to show up scratches more. I mean, here's an interesting thing as well. Uh, you've got to think when you're when you're getting a kitchen, who's using it? Is it a family kitchen? Have you got children? Mm -hmm. um, so you might want a beautiful showroom kitchen, but how long is it going to stay? A beautiful showroom kitchen. So right. you've got to think about the materials in that sense. So painted kitchen, a spray painted kitchen, minimalist, beautiful thing like you see in the showroom may not yeah. last all that long. Uh -huh. It might get the paint might get chipped. You can't touch up a sprayed kitchen. How how about the worktops? Like what's the? I mean, yeah. you, you've got all sorts of choices these days. Worktops are, if, actually, if you really need to save money on a kitchen, the easiest way to save a fortune is by getting laminate worktops, right. which can look really good. Um, and they're never going to look the same, but they are a fraction of the cost. As I've seen, like, there are very good laminate yeah, worktops. Yeah, they look there. very, very good. It's the same with the melamines. The yeah. range of decors, the range of textures and so on they put into it now yeah. are incredible so that you don't even realise, even professionals mistake it for real wood or for whatever it is. There's, there's metal uh, finishes, rusted metal, there's, there's stone finishes, there's mm. all sorts. So it can be very good. Keeping on the topic of trend, is that the most popular um, work choice yeah, of worktop? Not for, for me, I virtually never do laminate tops. What, what do you usually do? So it's almost always going to be quartz or corian. Mm -hmm. By Corian, I mean acrylic solid surfaces, right. which can be Corian, which can be Hi-Max, which can be Samsung Staron. So the different manufacturers, but it, the term everybody uses is Corian. Yeah, Corian is very, becoming very popular. Yes, it is. Yeah, yeah. Why do you think that is? Um, there's a good range of colours. It's very hygienic mm -hmm. because there's no joins or there's no visible joins. The, the joins are seamless. Okay. So there's no cracks. Uh -huh. um, and even with your sinks, the Corian's the one where you can have the molded sinks where there's no, there's no different. Uh, it's, it's, it's all within the worktop. It's all part of the same thing. Right. It's all. It looks thermoformed. It's actually not, but mm -hmm. it looks like it's all just part of one great big thing. Okay. So that's why Corian's very popular. It's also, um, I suppose, it has the right look. That kind of slightly matte look. That's, yeah, the minimalistic look. Yeah, it? and it's just less shiny. Yeah. You can shine it up if you, it depends what grit you sand it to. Okay. It's re-sandable, so if it does get scratched up or whatever, you can just sand it back. So that's quite good. Okay. It's repairable. Can you it can get even, stained? Um, it's pretty good against staining. Okay. So um, like like red wine or something like that. Is that is if you spill red wine on it. It's pretty good. I mean, if you leave it there for days on end, it's going to probably stain eventually. Okay. But if you wipe it up quite quickly, quite quickly, it shouldn't stain. It's not particularly porous, so okay. Um, so it's pretty good. And like I said, you can refinish it. Mm. You can even repair it. You can actually cut a massive great big hole in it and put another piece in. You won't even really know if it's done well. You can do invisible repairs effectively. Amazing. That's cool. And that's the only work surface like that. Apart from wood, of course which you can repair quite well, uh -huh. maybe more difficult on site when fixed in. But wood's a terrible choice of worktop unless you're going to um, really love it. <laughs> and look after <laughs> and it. And really look after it and wipe up spills straight away and re-oil it frequently. How, um, about, about oiling the worktops, how often 
do you oil the worktops? Like it's, it should mm. be done at the beginning? And how it many... should be done. Um, it depends which kind of oil you use. Mm -hmm. There's all these hard wax oils now, um, which are more like uh, closer to varnishes. Okay. So they're just kind of painted on and left. Mm -hmm. um, in terms of re-oiling it, um, you can tell mostly it'll be around the sink. Yeah. As soon as the water stops forming droplets on the surface, as soon as it starts to spread out when it falls on there, it needs to be oiled. Okay. So you can tell if it's waterproof just by looking at dropping a little drop of water on the surface and seeing what happens to it. At the beginning of an installation on a new kitchen, how many times should it be oiled? Well, like I said, it depends on the... You, read, okay. you basically need to look at the oil they're using okay. and, and see what it says on that. Mm -hmm. But if you're using sort of Danish oil, kind of that sort of thing, as many times as possible, really. Right. And uh, what you say with Danish oil, is, with the furniture, it's, uh, I think it's once a day for a week, once a week for a month, and once a month for a year. Well, okay. you're probably not going to do that, but you should. <laughs> if you do that on your kitchen worktop, and I've got a customer locally I did a kitchen for, yeah. and he, I told him that, and he took it very seriously. Mm. And I, he's still doing it. Crazy. He's still doing it. I think once a month, he clears it all off and oils it, and it looks fantastic. And you just go straight on the top? Yeah, it's very easy. You just okay. wipe oil. You just pour a bit of oil on, wipe it all over the surface, mm. uh, leave it a few minutes, and wipe it off. Mm -hmm. There's nothing to it really, but obviously it's a hassle. Okay. If you're not going to do that, if you're not going to take that kind of care of your worktop, don't get a wood. Yeah, I, I guess. Um... Another thing, actually, with natural materials, because marble is another work, absolutely beautiful to get a marble kitchen worktop. Mm. But I mean, it's not going to withstand life in the same way that quartz. You can get, and you can get, obviously, the quartz or Corian both do look-alike Carrera marble worktops. Right. But it's not the same. It doesn't look the same. No. Um, now, if you are the sort of person who doesn't mind it looking worn, um, who, who, who likes natural materials because they look worn almost, mm. then it's a good choice. But, you know, when you get lemon juice on it or vinegar, it's going to eat into it and make little... It's going to mark it. It's going to stain and so on. If you don't mind that... Yeah. Okay. And you don't necessarily, not everyone does mind it, but if you want it to look brand new the whole time, you just need quartz or corian or something like that. What's the most popular choice, um, thinking about like, maintenance? For uh, worktops? Yeah, for family. So if, if a family kitchen versus someone that's um, maybe uh, living on their own. Yeah, I mean, I can only talk from my experience. Yeah. And it's probably quartz mm -hmm. still. Um, yeah, it was granite. Um, well, it was laminate. Many years ago, yeah, um, that's getting less and less common because as the price of granite and quartz and so on comes down, granite was very popular. But I haven't done granite stuff in a long while. The quartz and the corian, the colours are expanding always. There's mm. a lot of choice. Like you said, I think it's coming from the flavours of German style kitchens and the choice of corian and the minimalistic feel of what everyone wants. These yeah. Days. Yeah, and I mean, the old laminate worktops with the more rounded edges are kind of looking very out of date now. Mm. But then laminate worktops come with square edges now. So. Yeah, yeah. Um, but, but my customers just don't. I just don't ever do them. It's not something I ever get asked to do. That might just be my uh, experience. I don't know. Countrywide, I'm sure there's yeah. a lot of laminate worktops still being put in. If someone was fitting a kitchen on their own, so um, like a DIY... Yes. Kind of thing. Um, what's the three uh, pieces of advice you'd give? You can give it more than three, but yeah. Well, first of all, think very carefully. Mm. If you're really up to the job in terms of 
time. Yeah. In terms of how much care, if you're really going to take care, and it is your own kitchen, so hopefully you will. Yeah. Then, yeah, I mean, go ahead and do it. If you're confident in your, not necessarily your skills so much, as your ability to uh, persevere mm. and make take, if, because it really is about taking care. It's not the most skilled job necessarily. Okay. Um, that might sound a little strange, but I mean, you're not doing high-end woodworking when you're installing the kitchen. Well, I guess because so everything is already made. It's, all, it's already made and <clears throat> it's all flat panels and so on. Mm. What it's about is really is about taking care and anticipating problems and planning incredibly carefully. Okay. Um, you will come up across a, a lot of problems. Okay. And you've got to be prepared for that and you've got to be have the time to deal with it and don't put yourself under a time pressure and do it because it'll be a disaster. Mm. So plan very, very well. Especially the electrics, the plumbing, the gas, where the pipes go, where the sockets go. You need mm -hmm. to know where everything's going. Are there pipes on the walls? How square are your walls? They're probably not. <laughs> so... If you're going to, it's actually something to do with what kitchens you get as well. You want your end panels and all of that to be oversized. What's an end panel, just in case so, people don't know? So, yeah, so the end of a run of units or, yeah. uh, or next to a tall unit, when you see the side, you don't want to be seeing the side of the interior. You okay. want to see the, the same as the doors. Right. Okay. So an end panel will match the doors okay. and it'll, it'll be screwed on from inside a cabinet mm -hmm. to, the, to the end and it'll cover any gaps at the back. Okay. And it'll go down to the floor and up to the worktop. Right. And if it's not oversized, if it's made exactly the same size as the, as the kitchen's supposed to be, mm -hmm. so that could be, for example, it could be 580 millimetres deep, okay. or 585 millimetres deep, or something like this. Yeah. Then if there's any variations in your walls and so on, mm. you're just going to get a gap at the back and nothing you can do about it. Yeah. So they should be oversized and then you cut them to the shape of the wall, scribing it, it's called. Right. You scribe the panel to the wall. Okay. Um, so to, you, to the shape of the wall, the way to the shape of the wall. Yeah. So especially on a tall unit, mm. the top of your wall can be thirty millimeters back from the the bottom in right. terms of the you know, vertical a line. Yeah. And if you've got an end panel that just fits perfectly with your covenant, you're going to have a thirty millimeter gap at the back or something like that. Yeah. So if you've got that, then then and then you know that can help you. But that's more about where you're getting the kitchens, I suppose. Mm. Um. And uh, yeah, I mean, you, you really have to plan it well. This is what I meant, what I was saying about pipes and so on, because that's the other thing. If you've got an integrated dishwasher and you've got stuff behind it, if you've got even a plug on the wall behind it will push it out, your kitchen will no longer sit back against the wall. Okay. That's not necessarily a problem. It can make it a lot easier, but you need deeper worktops, deeper end panels. Right. And you need to plan for it and make sure you're, you know exactly where everything's going. And you need to look at the wall before you start putting the cabinets in. And to see your potential problems. Yeah, to see all the obstructions, to see all the things that are going to alter the line of your kitchen. Okay. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, so making sure you look at the room, the whole room, before you start, yeah, and note all restrictions to height, width, depth. Okay. Windows, mm -hmm. the room height, obviously. Yeah. And all that sort of thing. And then when you start putting it in, as you go, make everything absolutely perfect. So aim for complete perfection, totally okay. square, totally level. You'll never get it 100% perfect, but mm. it can go so far out. If you start off 
one millimeter out at one end, it can end up all over the place at the other end. So, right. so just take extreme care and do it very, very methodically. Um, yeah, basically. What's um, what's the tools that people would need if they're just about to do this on their own? What what tools would you say that they need to go and buy or hire? Ooh, that's yeah. That's difficult because it's the cutting yeah. where you need good tools. To get a perfect job done yeah. on your own, yeah. what would you say that they need to hire? I mean, I've got thousands of tools yeah. and I take them all into a job and I end up using most of them. Yeah. But um, so if you're going to do it yourself, because you don't want to be buying very expensive tools if you're going to install it but yourself. But you, you can hire them, so... <laughs> you can. Um, I mean, good quality tools make a huge difference to a job. Yeah. So I use uh, uh, top quality tools. Mm -hmm. I use a rail saw, plunge saw, okay. which is a circular saw that goes along a rail. And that means you can get straight lines. It means you can get very clean cuts. Mm -hmm. um, I mean, you can use a hand saw if you're good. Okay. But you've got to look at your materials and things can chip a lot and so on. So you've got to be careful. But so like a nice, new, sharp hand saw, not something that's... Yes, yeah, with fine teeth, I suppose. Yeah, so don't... Um, don't because I'd, I'd say either that or, or a, like a high-end mm. uh, plunge saw. You don't really be want to be using cheap, cheaper power tools. It's probably a bad idea. Yeah. And maybe like a, a, a drill or something? Or? Obviously, you need... Yes, you need a drill and a screwdriver drill. Um, you need to be screwing the cabinets together. Mm -hmm. Put your screws inside the cabinets behind the hinges and so on. You won't see any screws in the cabinet. Okay. Um, but yeah, you need a, a, those tools to screw the cabinets together. You need a spirit level or a laser level. Mm -hmm. Get all the cabinets nice and level. Mm -hmm. Well, you need both, really. But uh, a, a spirit level you need. Okay. Good one that works because right. most of the cheap ones don't. If you so if you put it on the surface and it's level, switch it around the other way and see if it really is level. Okay. And um, the cheap level won't be. Right. It'll lie to you. So. <laughs> okay. Uh, what other tools would you need? In a way, you don't need that many, but I, I find there's there's always a problem that will be fixed with the right tool. So it's it's a difficult question to ask you because you do it for a living. So you I've got yeah. everything I need. Yeah, you've yeah. got everything. But I've got, I just think, I've got tons and tons of tools. Yeah. Yeah. If someone was like first time fit in the kitchen, they've got nothing. You know what? What would they need to go? And buy just to make it simple, simpler for themselves. Really, yeah. <laughs> I probably would generally recommend that they don't <laughs> fit it themselves. Okay. But um, I would, I wouldn't have taken my own advice. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so I don't know, but yeah. I mean, um, in a way, you don't need that many tools. All you right. need something that's going to cut a nice, clean uh, cut. Mm -hmm. And if you can. If you're good with a handsaw, you can do that with a handsaw. Okay. Okay. And a jigsaw you'll need for any curved cutting. A or jigsaw even, as well. Or, yeah, or even a, a coping saw, but um, yeah. yeah, a jigsaw really, I suppose. Okay. A power drill, screwdriver, and that could be it, I suppose. Okay. Spirit level, yeah. Spirit level. <laughs> um, what's the uh, main priorities that uh, you need to cover before fitting a new kitchen. I think you've mentioned a few already. Before fitting. Actually, this is something really important. Uh -huh. um, so if you're having a... Um, it depends on the job, of course, but yeah. if you're having like an extension built or something like that and you're having a new kitchen to go in that, um, your kitchen should be the last thing to go in. Okay. 
And this happens to me over and over again, where I see kitchens being fitted far too early in the process because mm. the customer's getting anxious because the job's overrunning. So often, I suppose, the pressure's on so hard on the contractor. And so they think, well, or the customer will demand it. Yeah. Put the kitchen in and it looks like something's happening. Yeah, it's quite um, a significant a big mistake. thing to see. Yeah, it's so. a really big mistake because it right. might look like something's happening. Mm. Um, but actually, that, that part of the job wouldn't have taken that long and it's much better done at the end. You stick it in halfway through the process and it's going to get damaged. And also, all the work that needs to be done after it is going to, be, it's going to take longer. You know? mm. Decorating a room after a kitchen's fitted is going to be slower than decorating the room before it's fitted. Mm. And, and putting the flooring in after, again, it's just best to do it all, get everything in the right order. The floor, including the flooring as well? Yeah, I would always say put the flooring first. Okay. If you've got an incredibly expensive floor, your tiles are costing a fortune each tile, you can always plan that and not put it under where the kitchen's going to be. Okay. Um, although it should, you, you want to have the floor level. All one level. All one fit, level. Yeah, I would always put the whole floor in first. Okay. And if, and yeah, maybe, maybe if you want to save money, yeah. put in some cheaper, similar stuff under the kitchen itself. But okay. bad idea to do that afterwards. It's going to cause all sorts of problems. How about things like the electrics and the plumbing? Like, because I'm, I'm assuming mm -hmm. that you've got the first fix electrics yeah. and plumbing to consider. Yeah, so that, that's really important, that whoever's fitting the kitchen speaks to the plumbers, the electricians, keeps in contact all the time. Okay. They all understand where everything's going, exactly mm. where everything's going mm -hmm. and how it's going, um, so that you don't just have a situation where the electricians just do whatever they think, the plumbers do whatever they think, someone comes to install the kitchen and it doesn't work, and they have to call everybody else back. To repeat the work. Um, to, to repeat the work, to mm. take things out. To, or they have to compromise and, and do something you didn't want. Okay. Do something horrible. Put things in some, you know, make it ugly by putting a load of plumbing and electrics all over the place. Right. If it's well planned, and it's, it's difficult to plan it well, and, and people don't want to stop and listen, but it's really important. Mm. Okay. Um, if someone was deciding to, between um, the different types of worktops, I think we've actually spoken about it. What's, what are the yeah. pros and cons of each material? Yeah, well, I, I talked about the pros mm. of Corian, didn't I? Um, I mean, laminate is, the pro of laminate is it's cheap. That's mm. the only pro, really. Okay. It's a perfectly decent worktop, but obviously if water gets into it, it's had it. And that's the big problem with it. You and it looks, it. even the best ones still look a bit cheaper, I suppose. Mm -hmm. But yeah, if water gets into it, that's the end of it. Okay. It needs to come out um, because it's chipboard inside. Mm. So that's always possible, but that'll happen, especially around the sink. And you can't have undermounted sinks and you can't have butler sinks um, with a laminate worktop. They've got Why? to be a sit-on sink because you can't expose the chipboard okay. core. So an undermount sink... Um, you have to cut a hole out of the worktop, you put the thing on underneath, and you just have chipboard. So that would last about two minutes. Mm -hmm. And you can't have a butler sink, really, for the same reason. For People sink. do, and they raise it above the level of the worktop and put silicon around it. It's fairly ugly and also unlikely to last. The water's going to get in. Okay. So that's the disadvantage with laminate. Um, quartz is nothing. Been, I mean, quartz is, is a very good, strong surface. It's very cold and hard. Mm -hmm. If you drop things on it, they're going to break, I suppose. But, and the other, I suppose the other disadvantage is if it does get chipped, it's harder to repair. Mm. But it's pretty, pretty much, and there's a massive range of colours. And quartz just refers to a whole load of sort of man-made worktops 
made with stone and resin or glass and resin. Mm-hmm. Um, so there's an enormous range of colours in it. Okay. Um, obviously, it's expensive. Quartz, granite, corian, they're all expensive. How um, expensive? Like, uh, if it, what's the typical price of those kind of worktops? Well, it can be a, anywhere, depending on where you go as well yeah. and yeah. how much they're marking it up, but it can be... Three, four, five thousand okay. for the kitchen. Mm. Um, is it priced by the meter, or everyone prices it differently? Okay. Some people price it per linear meter. Some people per square meter. Some people uh, because then there's installation costs, yeah. and then there's cutout costs. Every mm. sink might be charged for. Drainer grooves might be an extra. Some people don't. Some people do. I mm. mean, it's all varies. Okay. If you're going to compare quotes, again, make sure you're getting quotes for the same thing. Mm. So if you've, if you've spec- gone to one company and specified Silestone as the um, quartz, that's mm. a brand name. Okay. And then another company is going to si- quote... Silestone. Silestone, okay. yeah. Mm. That's one of the top-end brand names of quartz. Yeah. You go to another company and get the same colour made by somebody else, it's going to be cheaper. But it's going to be cheaper because it's not the same thing. And it's, and it's just, just about the brand. And so yeah. You can so get something exactly the same. Or it look can exactly it look very similar anyway, okay. yeah. Right. Um, so you, you need to decide. If you want the brand name, then make sure everybody's quoting you for it. Yeah. If you don't care, then ask, because you're going to yeah. be paying more for a brand name. Mm. Okay. What other work surfaces are those? Glass, I suppose, which is very expensive, which yeah. can look nice. Um, is there any pros and cons to that? I can't think of any, really, other than... No. I mean, it's pretty pretty good surface, yeah. yeah. It's very hard, I suppose. But with glass, I mean, people would worry that it could break and crack and chip. So it, yeah. mean, how thick are they? They're usually fairly thin, aren't they? Usually about 20 millimetres. Yeah. Um, but not, it's like not, not thin enough to be a problem. It's toughened glass. Toughened glass, OK. Um, so, yeah, it's not going to break. Mm. Um, I'm not so sure about chipping. And is it, I mean... Clear glass, or is it? Uh, you get clear, you get coloured, you get recycled glass. A lot of recycled, which okay. can be really funky, interesting <laughs> designs and yeah. stuff. You can get some really nice stuff. Yeah. I mean, if you're really interested in your kitchen and you're going to um, want to look into all of this stuff, you should go to one of the trade shows, okay. like um, like at the Business Design Centre in Islington if you're in London. Yeah. Or um, those those are the good, the smaller ones, and then there's the big kitchen shows kitchen trade shows, or you can go to something like a Grand Designs show. Mm. They often have a lot of kitchens. Well, the, I, I think it's Ideal Home Show or something. Or the Ideal Homes, yes, because okay. I'm thinking more of the trade ones, of course. But yes, yeah. the Grand Design show is really good. The Ideal Home I haven't been to. Right. The Grand Design one I know they have in Birmingham and London. Mm. Um, and yeah, you can see all sorts of interesting stuff. Gives what you other ideas. kind of worktops are there? You, Stainless you... steel tops. Okay. Which, if you're going to do that, they're wrapped around a core. Don't make the mistake of guessing. Yeah, it's got to be a moisture-resistant core. Okay. <laughs> um, well, uh, yeah, no, I've, so I've seen them above dishwashers. Um, they need to be protected above dishwashers especially. Uh-huh. Otherwise, they can end up a little mountain in the middle of your kitchen. Is there any problems with... Um, what, what's the cons of a stainless steel um, worktop? Um, it depends how kind of immaculately... Um, brand new, you want it to keep looking, I suppose. They're okay. kind of workmanlike, aren't they? Stainless yeah, I was going to say, they're just scratchy, easy. No? It scratches up, 
but it's very cleanable, but it's not going to look sort of brand new the whole time. No. It's very hygienic. Very hygienic, yeah. Okay. I mean, it's what the industrial kitchens yeah. use, isn't the commercial kitchens. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it's very good for keeping clean, and mm. you can really scrub it, it like that. Um, although I suppose the same applies to quartz and Corian. Yeah. Corian, you can always have the cove, the um, rounded up stands at the back. Okay. So they really are hygienic then. You can have a coved upstand, it's called. Is that another choice for tiles? So you don't have to have tiles? Yeah, have so uh, yeah, behind the worktop, you can put on upstands rather than having tiles. Or you can have upstands and tiles. Mm. Um, you might want tiles coming directly down onto the worktop. Or you might want, you can have a 50 millimeter upstand, a 100 millimeter upstand, something like that. Mm. And then tiles above it or just painted wall above it. Right. And you, if you're going to do the painted wall, um, if you use a washable, good quality paint, then that's fine. Mm -hmm. But perhaps not behind the cooker. You probably want a full-on splashback behind the cooker, mm. out of glass or stainless steel or whatever, yeah. or Corian mm. you can use. Um, so someone's just had their kitchen fitted, mm -hmm. and they want to make sure that it's been done right. Mm -hmm. So I guess yes. this is about the whole like um, yeah. snagging process. Yeah. What points? should they be checking? Well, all cut edges, mm. look at them, see how neat they are. See what should they, how should they be? How should they look? They should look, I suppose the best way to think about it is factory finish. Right. They shouldn't look like someone's nibbled at it with their teeth. Okay. <laughs> they shouldn't have chips. Mm. Um, where it's coming to the wall, you shouldn't see any chipping, you shouldn't see any gaps. Mm. It, they, they, they should have corked it in, you know, filled in. And, and it should all be smooth and okay. uh, a perfect finish there. Um, and then things like if there's cornice and pelmet above and below the wall cabinets, those, the, the edges, the, the, where those meet, whether it's square-edged or mitered edges or whatever, those should the same thing. It should be no chipping or anything and okay. no gaps. Uh -huh. If there's any lines, they should be very neat, straight lines. Mm. Um, so that's one thing. Go around all your doors and see if they're square with the cabinets. The best way of telling a cabinet is square, and this, is the, this applies also if you're fitting your own kitchen, yeah. is the door is square. So if the door and the cabinet are in perfect harmony, mm. then everything's good. So uh, you look on the left, on the top, on the right, on the bottom, and it should be the same gap all the way around. Okay. And then push the top and bottom of the door um, and see if, that's, if there's any gap between that and the cabinet. Mm. So if your cabinet's twisted, haven't been fitted that well, and they're twisted, um, when you push at the top of the door or you push at the bottom of the door, it won't be, you know, you, one of them will be flush with the cabinet and the other one will be a gap. Right. That'll show you either the hinges have been adjusted out for some reason or, um, or, or the cabinet's not fitted square, mm. it's twisted. Okay. That's okay. another thing. What else can you look at? I'll tell you something quite important. Um, is where end panels meet the floor, where the plinth meets the floor. Less important with plinth, because you can always replace plinth. The plinth is what? The, the plinth is the thing underneath the cabinets, the, okay. kick, the kickboard, where, right. your, feet, where okay. your feet go. Yeah. That you can always replace. Mm. But really, end panels, um, you don't really want to be cutting them at the bottom to meet the floor, unless you really have to. Okay. Because you, cause that's where you're going to be mopping your floor or whatever. You don't want water getting in if they're made of chipboard or MDF. Yeah. If they have been cut, then you want them to be well sealed. Mm. So maybe siliconed around, but also, you know, even the bottom can be varnished or something like that. Okay. 
what else would you look at? I mean, everything just needs to work. How about like them being level, for instance? The, the, the whole the kitchen? Yeah. Well, the whole thing, thing should be level, yeah. yeah. So would you run around with a, a level just making You could sure? put a spirit level on the worktop yeah. and it should be level, yeah. Okay. Absolutely. If it's not level, the thing is about not being level, I mean, obviously you want it level anyway. Yeah. yeah. But also, if it's not level, that means it hasn't been well fitted. That means the cabinets aren't sitting well mm. and are going to move and are not, you know, the kitchen may not last so well. So it's important for that, for that as mm. well as just looking right. Is there anywhere else where what else there, there are likely to be snagging points? I would look inside the cabinets. If you've got someone who understands the materials, because mm. they're, they're usually chipboard, melamine face chipboard, okay. you don't want to see any chipboard anywhere. Right. So you don't want people cutting great big holes in your cabinet. Mm. Um, the only possible place you might see is behind the sink. Okay. And, and really, it should be well designed and well thought through, mm. so you're not seeing it. You don't want to be seeing screws in your cabinets unless you absolutely have to. Okay. So when I join, you join the cabinets together with screws. I always do it behind the hinge plates. Okay. If you have to join where there are no hinge plates, um, then you use a screw that looks nice. Yeah. So With a round head, a chrome, you know, that yeah. looks decent, and you and you space them evenly, so you measure and you and this sort of thing. Yeah. So you're really just looking at the people really have taken care mm. and have thought about it. And I haven't thought it doesn't matter inside the cabinets because mm. it does matter. Yeah, I think it just shows a general that they've taken care all round if they if they've done that. And how about like the plumbing side of things and the electric side of things? These are mm. the, the the bits that are the most important, I guess. One of the most important. So well, it's all got to work. Obviously, yeah. it's essential. Yeah, mm. for that. Um, so the. Plumbing, well, you don't want any leaks, but um, yeah. you want it to be nice and neat. You don't want a massive jungle under the sink. Yeah. So a good plumber will make it reasonably neat. Yeah. There can be a lot of plumbing, obviously. There can be a lot of stuff going on under a sink. Mm -hmm. um, but you want it neat, you want it, yeah, secure, and, and obviously no leaks. Okay. Electrics, you want to have been well thought through. So and these days, the regulations mean every appliance has to have a switch somewhere that can be accessed easily mm. in the event you need to turn it off. Okay. Um, best way to do that is to have them all on one board in one place. And that may be in a kitchen cabinet somewhere. Okay. Um, or it might be somewhere completely different. But it needs to like, be thought um, through before, well before the kitchen's installed. Right. That's, that's sort of, the electrics are obviously put in a long time before the kitchen's installed. So all of the switches for all of the appliances on one thing? That's a nice way of doing it, but you can also have them individually near mm. the appliance, and sometimes they go on the wall behind okay. the worktop, but why put them there? You know, it's got lots of switches on the wall. Yeah. It seems a shame. Yeah. So the neatest way to do it, it depends on the extent of your job. Yeah. If you're just having a, just your kitchen done, you're just having the kitchen removed and another one put in, you might not want to go to that sort of length. To that level, okay. But if it's a whole job where you're doing, refurbing a whole room mm. or an extension or something like that, it should all be planned and... The, there's no reason at all to have that endless switches all over the place. Mm. Um, if someone's had their kitchen fitted and they've they've paid the kitchen fitter, um, you know, they're not. Uh, what's if if the kitchen wasn't fitted well, mm. so it looks good for the first couple of days, but if it wasn't fitted well, what are the most common do you think what are the most common things that you're called for in terms of a kitchen going wrong 
and like how quickly what what's the bits that go wrong first well one thing to say one what what can happen is they sort of a little bit of settling and so um maybe reasonably soon after the kitchen's all installed um you might see that the lines between the doors it's not all that's another thing actually to look at okay. are all the gaps between the doors and drawers and everything even right and you might find that that changes slightly over the first few days or over the first few weeks and perhaps your kitchen installer could come back and just readjust them. Okay. And that's quite normal. That's normal. That's, that's okay. normal, nothing necessarily to worry why, about. Why would they go out of line? Just a tiny bit of movement can... Uh, okay. So just things settling, it, might, it could be all sorts of reasons. Okay. It depends on everything, I suppose. Mm. Um, and I suppose in use, the doors... I don't know, they shouldn't do really, but it can happen. It mm. happens, so that's not necessarily something to worry about. Um, Beyond that, I would hope not to be called back, really. <laughs> Can you give me, um, I don't know, give, give me the, uh, a bad experience of a story that you've heard about a kitchen that's oh, been fitted? Oh, God, there's so many. Yeah. I mean, I often get called in by somebody saying, can you finish this kitchen off? And really, you, you kind of have to take the whole thing out and start again because right. it's actually going to be less work. Um, than trying to correct a badly fitted kitchen. Yeah, There's just a lot of people who are kind of not qualified in any way. Mm -hmm. Just sort of general indie men mm. um, who are kind of quite good at a, this and that. But aren't, just simply aren't going to take the care or really understand what care needs to be. People think it's easy, I, I suppose, to fit right. a kitchen. Yeah. Very easy. And it's not. It's like I said before. It's not It's not so much about skills. It's just about really taking care and anticipating problems. But it's actually kind of complicated to fit in mm. that sense. Okay. So um, yeah, I did one round the corner here actually, and I mean there was only so much I could do really. It was. Um, what was wrong with it? Everything was out of level. Okay. So none of. I mean the wall cabinets were all over the place. So the. <laughs> You could see you can see that because even though you can you can adjust the hinges, but yeah. that doesn't change anything really. That's uh, once you've started adjusting the hinges, you've already got a problem really, mm. um, and all that's doing is compromising and, and making the problem half this and half that. Mm. So um, so I could see the doors weren't closing top and bottom like they should. Um, you know the 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 you if you especially if you've got corners and palmet you can see where the line doesn't work at the top and bottom it might work left and right but not top and bottom um end panels were cut too short um the worktop needed taken out it was a wooden worktop it needed taken out i'd take it out and resand it right. it's just been i don't know what they'd done but it was incredibly rough and horrible yeah. and and, and they'd, i think they'd oiled it but they hadn't really sanded it before oiling it. Okay. And it still had marks all over it. Yeah. And it was all completely rough. As it just, uh, I don't know, it was a terrible job all around, really. Um, I can't remember what there was. The problem with the appliances as well. It was only a cheap kitchen, but there's no reason a cheap kitchen has to be fitted badly. It was a B&Q kitchen, I think. Okay. So, um, it's, you know, it's... In the end, the customer had to pay twice? In, for installation, yeah, yeah, and why and why do that? It just doesn't make sense. You'd be better off, you know. You just you just saving money never works, really, does it? <laughs> <laughs>
So you, I, mean, I don't think they were. They, they didn't do it for money saving reasons. They just had a bad experience. Yeah, I mean, they had a bad. They had a builder. I mean, you know, they just had a general builder fitting the kitchen. I think, and and I think it was what you're saying. Actually, there were lots of different people doing it. Yeah, and he was obviously overstretched. Right, and sending all different people in, and yeah. I think they didn't send the right people in. Mm. Okay. Um, last question, really. Um, what we're trying to do with the the podcast is educate homeowners and um, try to highlight the problems that homeowners go through, how to avoid it, mm. um, and talking about saving money and time. Um, so, what do you think about what we're trying to do? I think it's a brilliant thing to do. Yeah. I think it's good for everybody. It's really good for the homeowner. Yep. Because, I mean, like I said before, I really feel for people looking because it's a nightmare. How do they have any clue? Um, so I hope we can help them. Yeah. But it also makes our lives a lot easier. Um, those people who do a good job and who care about what they're doing, um, it makes it much, much easier if the, if the homeowner understands what is what the right things to look for and so on. Yeah. And isn't, is going to, you know, we can work with them on mm. a job. So um, I think it's it's fantastic all around. It's really good. I think your ideal um, customer really would be someone that's done a, a little bit of research, yeah. understands their budget, yeah. um, understands the amount of time it takes and care. Yes, I think uh, that's really important is that they understand the process yeah. have, and have got realistic expectations and are willing to listen. Right. Um, and, yeah, my ideal customer is, is somebody who's very interested and, and really engaged in the whole process. Mm. And will really talk through everything with me, and will give me their ideas and listen to my ideas, and it's a conversation. Okay. Yeah. Sounds good. Yeah. Sebastian, thank you very much. You're welcome. No problem. <laughs>